Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 302nd episode of Real Hawk Talk. I'm Brian Nemhauser. I do know my last name. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And, you know, we just had the highlight of the show. I just, you know, started with a really stupid 30-second countdown because I felt like trying it. And we're done. So we're out for the night. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks, guys, for dialing in. no, we do have stuff to talk about tonight. Anytime that we decide to schedule a show, you can be certain that news about the Seahawks is going to break. And literally, maybe a half an hour at most after we decided we were going to do a show, news broke that we will talk about regarding the Seahawks coaching search. We will get into all that. Before we do, let me bring in the fellas. Uh, start with Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Nathan, how are you doing, my friend? Pretty good. Uh, my entire household, except for me, has COVID. Oh. Um, everybody's fine, but it is a big pain in the butt. So uh, that's been interesting. It's been an interesting few days. I finally can relate. Uh, our household has been a Novid household this entire time. No one in our house has had it. And then uh, my mom got it. Gave it to my dad, gave it to me, I gave it to Rachel. Thankfully, Nate, our our oldest, our youngest, has not gotten it yet. Um, but yeah, it was not fun. And quarantining was not fun and all that good stuff. But uh yeah. Well, feel this fun. Nate has also never had it. Uh Ooh. yeah. So so far, we're like what four years in now, and still He's never pro- had COVID. Never had COVID. And you're you're a redhead, yeah? No, no, not actually. I have a I was a blonde as a kid and then it went into like a just a brownish whatever, but my beard, yes, is always been red. So I, I got okay. a little ginger in me. Cuz he's he's all he's a redhead, so I'm wondering if there's some sort of immunity built into Nathan's with red hair uh for COVID that they should maybe look into. Yeah, I think we should definitely spread a little misinformation on this cuz I do I am at the point where I believe that I I am immune to COVID. Um, I know that's not a thing, but I also believe it. So I like that. I like that. Brian, you just got hit with your first one. Yes. Yes. And Jeff, how many times have you had it? Twice. Twice? Yeah. You're super quiet for some reason, by the way, Jeff. Not sure why. Um, I just got COVID again early January this year, and it was my sixth time. Jesus, dude. I know. 
What are you like licking toilet handles or something? I mean, what's going on there? Well, I do like a lot of high exposure activities like hot yoga, like confined room, 108 degrees, 40% humidity. Everybody's like huffing and puffing, that type of stuff. Um, Is is there anything you don't catch from hot yoga? I mean, it feels like basically a breeding ground for any kind of virus, bacteria. Oh, my God. Can I tell you guys about something extremely traumatic that happened to me in hot yoga recently? I know this is not what the show is about. No, it's absolutely what the show is about. Okay, but you guys are going to get so much enjoyment out of this. So the class was packed. It was like a popular teacher. And I get there early. I set my mat down. All good to go. I meditate. Shavasana. I am ready to go for hot yoga 430 on a Friday. The hairiest motherfucker in the world, okay, posts up next to me. Okay. And it's like very common for like men to just not be wearing shirts because it's like 108 degrees. So totally normal. But this guy, I can like not see his skin. Okay. He is covered in hair. Okay. So this class gets super hot, super difficult, like three fourths, you know, like 70% through the class. I actually had to lay down because I was so like just overheated and completely destroyed from this workout. So keep in mind, Shavasana, for anybody that's done yoga before, you are laying down and, you know, like palms face up and you're supposed to be in like complete restful meditation. Okay. And I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm like desperately trying to get air, recover, whatever. They're in their standing series. So everybody around me is standing. And keep in mind, I'm laying down, mouth face up, trying to recover as quickly as possible. This motherfucker next to me has been pooling sweat across his entire body for 45 minutes and he does one of these he's standing up okay and he goes and all the sweat that that has been pooling on this man's chest for 45 minutes perfectly timed with me you know opening my mouth trying to catch air hot part of shavasana I take a straight shot to the throat from this man's 45-minute pool of sweat. And I want you to know that was trauma. I had to leave the class. I cannot look at this motherfucker in the face ever again. It was so rude and so – anyways, I don't know why I'm talking about this. This spiraled out of control. I I, – it destroyed me. It was traumatizing. I had to vent here. This was therapy for a second. I needed to share this. Well, this, I have to, like, this is exactly what um, came up for me when you said that. Uh, let me see if I can get this. What are you share. about to show me? <laughs> did you ever see oh this movie God. from Along Came Polly? Yes, I did. That basketball <laughs> scene where it's just like, oh. <laughs> Dude, I just I cannot tell you how much sweat pooled together and just like perfectly timed, just like straight shot to the side. Just uh, bam. I gotta say, Evan, and by the way, if I haven't already, that's Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. If you've had COVID six times, I think you're the problem. You're not catching it there. I think you're giving it. Uh so you know, you you may need to look in the mirror a little bit, uh in that regard. Um it's not the first time this seemingly has happened to you. There was like a 70-year-old guy that kept farting on you the other day. Oh my god. Well, this is this is really high quality, highbrow uh, information. I do have to tell you something that because it was the first time I had COVID and I was bored out of my mind, 
I looked up that, you know, I was trying to wear a mask when I'd go downstairs just to like not give it to Nate. Turns out uh, COVID could be passed through other uh, airborne things that happen uh, for the human body. So uh, farts are, are potentially deadly. Um, so you just be aware of that uh, in your in your class. Well, I got COVID for the seventh time then. Oh, yeah, my God. Definitely might have got it from that seat. Oh, my God. All right. Um, thank you for really setting the tone for the rest of the night, Evan. I think Absolutely. that that's actually a fairly apt description of where we are in the Seahawks coaching search. Uh, finally, I want to bring in Jeff Simmons at, at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff is out there all over Twitter. Jeff is the master of the, uh, the reply. He will just shut, shut shit down on Twitter with just like he brooks no bullshit and he, and he does it to me too, by the way. So anybody that posts stuff, he will just say like, no, you're completely wrong. He's a, a truth sayer. So Jeff, I want to start with you here. Uh, news of the day. Ben Johnson, who was, I believe, your top choice. Yeah. Definitely Evan's top choice to the point of, you know, nearly setting up OnlyFans account for the guy. Um <laughs> He announces today, or it becomes announced today, that he will not be taking either job opening or any job opening, that he will be returning to Detroit to be their offensive coordinator. He will not be getting any pay raise as a result of doing this. He's staying with his existing contract. And he did this. This news came out while the Washington Commanders were on their way to Detroit to speak with him for a second time. What is your take on this news? Um, listen, as much he was my top choice, I never thought the Seahawks were a great option for him. What shocked me the most was the Washington thing because everyone, we've heard this by now by everyone, everyone thought Washington was the best job on the market. Everyone thought he was going to go there. Basically, everyone in the national media had been pegging that job. There were even some Washington writers yesterday kind of clowning the Seahawks for even interviewing him when it was an afterthought, he was going to go to Washington. I saw some like big writers writing this yesterday. So I was legitimately shocked that it happened. And the more I thought about it, I, I kind of get some like bad vibes from the whole thing. And the way he handled it, I know everyone's going to be like, well, the Seahawks situation sucks. Again, he turned down Washington with has the number two pick, a new ownership group, stable with money, a chance, a timeline to build it from the ground up. I'm getting some weird vibes from the guy. And I know we we always think we know these guys. We can see how good of the play callers these guys are or how good or creative these guys are. But we can't see. And the hardest thing about these coaching processes, and Nathan talked about it a couple of weeks ago, is we don't know what these guys are like as leaders and how they deal with adversity, how they deal with tough situations. And there's some Josh McDaniels element to this where, like, he tells Washington they're, he's not interested when they're on the way to see him and, the whole thing's been, and now all these, he's like leaking stuff out of the media that he's a good guy and he's loyal. And there's just a lot of weird vibes, and he's clearly going back and forth to the media. So, yes, it was definitely from a Seahawks standpoint, it was pretty devastating because A, you're not going to get him, and B, there is a domino effect that the, the dominoes seem that if he was going to Washington, then Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald would be sitting right there for Seattle. Now, if Washington hires Mike McDonald, then you're left with a completely different pool. So it's a potentially devastating domino for the Seahawks. But my overall take is that, I don't know, for me it's a bad look on Ben Johnson. The sec 
to do that once last year that they did, I understand build up your profile to do it twice, including Washington, which I know Brian, you talked about like where he lives and where he grew up. He Washington is right in his area. just in terms of geographically. They have the UNC quarterback in line to get that pick. I don't know if he's scared to tell Dan Campbell he wants to leave. I don't know what's going on, but to me, something seemed off to me about it and all the leaking kind of added to that. Nathan, I'm curious, you know, what your reaction was and uh, what, what's been your impression of Ben Johnson as a, as a, as a result of, of this news. Yeah. I mean, going in, I thought he was my, my number one choice. Like I don't have strong opinions about this really, but he was the guy I probably liked the most and everything that has come out today makes me feel like they dodged the bullet. And, you know, it, you're just reading tea leaves and you don't know what these guys are like, but for him to pull himself out of this seems bizarre. It does not seem like a good decision for him. Um, like, I don't, you, you don't stay hot in the NFL forever. Um, and to pass up, there's only 32 of these jobs and to pass up a chance, you know, you have two teams that are looking at you like that does not seem wise. And then immediately working the media and just the most fake, like just terrible. Like, oh, I want to stay. I, I, I'm. I chose to say to win a Super Bowl. Man, you can win a Super Bowl anywhere. Like, what are you talking about? You're staying with the Detroit Lions to win a Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't know. It seemed bizarre. And then like all the money stuff came out, and suddenly Schefter's tweeting like, "Oh, he's definitely not getting. He's not getting a pay raise. Although that may change down the line." Like. He he did some weird galaxy brain stuff on this that absolutely turned me off. And I don't feel bad about him pulling himself out of the search at all. I, I don't have any concern about him not being a candidate now. Fascinating. Evan, where are you on this? Because this you you've been more out in front on Ben Johnson than maybe anyone other than, than Rob Staten. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a freak ass loser, and I never wanted him actually. So uh <laughs> Ben Johnson can f off. Um, no, mostly agreed with the with the, what the other guys said. I thought there was a, an interesting detail that was reported by Schefter earlier today, and that was it sounds like Washington was actually in the process of traveling to him mm -hmm. when he canceled the interview. Um, does that not seem like inappropriate to you guys? That's like, why I said Josh McDaniels. That's like, uh, what would have been you, more? What would have been more appropriate? Letting them know before they got on a flight to fly to him. Like, what could have changed in twenty-four hours? Yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, that's my, that's my question. Is like, what changed in the three hours from them jumping on a flight? It just feels unprofessional. Yeah. Um, and. Like Jeff said, this isn't the first time he's done this. He did this with the Panthers in 2023, right? So a year ago. Um, I don't know. I just, like Nathan said, he played the media so clearly um, afterwards, trying to protect his image, you know, stay with Detroit. I, I think Nathan hit the nail on the head. There's 32 positions in the NFL for this. You know, this was an opportunity to, what, 10, 15x his salary? I, I don't know what he probably makes like maybe around a million, maybe less. Um, it just feels like a really poor decision to be quite honest with you. Do you, do you guys 
think that he was offered or like that that there was an indication he was going to get the Seahawks job and decided he didn't want it? Do you think that he got uh, an indication that he wasn't going to get the Seahawks job and got into damage control. Cause uh, you guys have some points of view on this. I'm going to share mine in a, in a little bit, which by the way is massively different than all of yours. Um, but like, I, I want to continue on this for a second. The weird thing to me is not anything about the Seahawks. Honestly, it's the Washington situation. Mm-hmm. Like he was in a press conference just a week or two ago talking about how great everything he's heard about Washington's ownership and, like this is they've been flirting for weeks now if not longer and like evan's saying like for you to pull out of the jaw of the like the hunt while they're in the air to come see you is just bizarre like even setting aside the professionalism of it which i do agree i don't think it's super professional uh but why why what like if seattle told him hey you're the guy and he doesn't want to go to seattle you think he would just keep talking to Washington. And if Seattle said, hey, you're not the guy, well, I don't know that he cares because it seems like he always wanted Washington and they're on the way to see him. So, like, what... Now, maybe that's a lie. Maybe that that whole thing or or is inaccurately reported or something. Um, but that's the part that really doesn't square to me with all of this. Um, then plus just it feeling super slimy how quickly he got this oh i'm just a loyal just a loyal detroit lion i just want to stay here and win a super bowl i'm not taking it come on get get out of here it's I, like it's it's super interesting because I, I i am the person who takes this more at face value like that does believe actually that it's plausible what happened here um this is a guy who i think it's very possible feels very confident in his abilities uh, as uh, an OC and as a coach feels like he knows what he has in Detroit. He's, you know, get got his quarterback. He's got running backs. He's got his receivers potentially can get his offensive line back and has every reason to think that they can be as good or better um, next year. He may be very settled with his kids and his wife where he is. And maybe that matters more to him than it does to some other folks. And, uh, he's happy and comfortable where he is and likes his work day to day. And they were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl this year and could be a pretty good case that they should be in the Super Bowl this year. Um, and so and the the potential maybe maybe he is somebody who doesn't feel like at 37, like his success has to be as a head coach. That might be like he may be wired differently than somebody else. There are folks that that have gotten into it and it hasn't been the right thing for them. And maybe he has paid close attention to that. And maybe there's specific situations that he wants to be in. And I agree the Washington situation seems on the outside to be pretty good. I don't know their new owner that well. I don't know um, the rest of what's going on there. I don't know the GM situation. So how- pretty, but it's some pretty prominent guys like. Josh Harris is overseeing the Philadelphia 76ers, who are like the one of the model franchises in the NBA. Magic Johnson is running their Magic Johnson's like one of the minority owners of the team. And Adam Peters is like what John Schneider was when he got the Seahawks job. It's like pretty, it's not a, a bunch of it's a well-known entity. These guys are pretty prominent. It's not like Dan Snyder. If it was Dan Snyder, I'd be like, okay, it makes sense. I think Nathan said that earlier, but 
But and the other thing is Ben Johnson has said in press conferences that he that it's a good group and it's an impressive group and that he likes them. Yeah, I don't know how much I don't know that anyone's gonna say anything other than that in a press conference, but I sure I, I guess it doesn't seem that implausible to me that after a pretty crushing NFC championship, uh the Seahawks land, he does the interview with them and he realizes during that conversation, like my heart's not in this. Like I don't I don't want to I wanted I want to finish what I started here. And that instead of waiting for Washington to come and do basically a fake interview where he has no intention of taking the job, that he does what he thinks is a higher integrity thing and just says, hey, like, I'm taking myself out of it. I'm I'm not going to take any job and I'm going to stick with Detroit. I don't think that's crazy. I could see myself in that. I I have put myself in that situation before. So, like, I kind of get that. It doesn't mean that's true, but that was my reaction to it, which is pretty different than sounds like where you guys reacted. I think if... It's hard for me to square, like, that's certainly possible, but it's hard for me to square that being the situation with how it all came out and how it was all handled. In the that's because, Brian, I had the same initial reaction, and I kept texting you guys. I thought how that Detroit game ended for sure factored into his decision, and it's also fresh, it's also real, and he's got a great situation over there. But then the leaks started, and it's another situation you could have totally spun. My heart wasn't in it. I wasn't ready. I want to give this more time. I know other people have said that. The leaks seemed sketchy, and that's what made me kind of spin this other way. Because you can really sell what you're saying. It's an honorable thing. It's believable. Like, they're that close to the Super Bowl. Like, there's going to be other jobs. But isn't the, aren't the leaks all in line with what I just said? Yeah, but why leak? Why, why, why does it come out when Washington's in the, in the air? Why not meet with them? Say I'm hey I'm sorry that you guys came out here right, but I've just realized over the last you know 24 48 hours that my heart's not in this. And then you just walk you and Washington go your separate ways, and none of this even has to come out. Why publicly remove yourself from consideration, right? Like just don't get hired. Well, that I feel like isn't real in real life. I mean, this is a this is a PR driven business. It is an entertainment business and it's a reputation business. And so I do think your agent and you, you have to get as much as what you believe to be the truth out there uh, as possible before, you know, it can imagine if he talked to Washington and he didn't get either job, then what the assumption would be is he what he didn't no one wanted him. That's a that's not even true. So forget whether that's good for him or not. That's not true. And so you get out in front and you share what your truth is, which to me makes sense. I do agree with that. What Brian just said, Nathan, it, I think optically it looks better. It's kind of like the whole like you can't fire me. I quit type of scenario yeah. where it's like, you know, I'm actually removing myself from this situation. I'm not going to allow myself to be hired. Maybe there's a better opportunity in the future. But to be passed over by two what feels like really solid landing spots, um, I don't think reflects well on his public reputation, right or wrong. Like, I think there are probably better ways to do it than he did it, but it, I mean, I would this agree. could also be a Mark Rogers situation, right? Like, I don't think <laughs> and Mark Rogers are similar character or sure. similar. Yeah. Can know, I? Can we people. talk about uh, one other report that came out from uh, the Commanders ESPN yeah. uh, reporter? today it came out five hours ago i think it was uh um it kind of flew under the radar i think uh but i want to read it verbatim because it's re regarding dan quinn and i think it's really important so this is from josh Kime, i think is how you say his name 
quote unquote, have to say all the candidates Washington Washington talked to, the one I heard the most glowing things about was Quinn. Now, some of that could be he's worked with more people, been a head coach. Key for any hire, coordinator hires QB, period. So I wonder if they end up going the Dan Quinn route in Washington. Washington? Yeah. Well, that's that's been – I mean, I wrote the article, which we might talk about a little bit, uh, but like part of the reason I wrote that article about Dan Quinn is – Everyone in the Seahawks land, for the most part, has decided Dan Quinn would be a really like boring, uninspiring, or just bad hire, like not interested. And I know most of the folks on this pod feel the same way. I was getting this vibe of Washington's going to snake him. Washington's going to snag Dan Quinn, and we're going to be left with like Mike McDonald, which we'll talk about as well. As much as that is a flashy, young, exciting hire he may not be ready to be a head coach. There's a lot of reasons to believe he may not be a guy you're willing to entrust your franchise to. And if you're John Schneider, bet your career and reputation on. And if you do that, and if Dan Quinn's gone, now you're really talking about some stretches uh, for that. So that's, I do, I do think that Dan Quinn could be a very logical choice for Washington. Yeah, and the interesting thing there also is that obviously there's a lot of talk around Washington. They want an offensive head coach. They're the number two pick. They're going to draft the quarterback. The other name who a lot of people wanted there, Bobby Slowick, signed an extension with Houston today. So if you're Washington, you lost your top two offensive guys and really the only two they've had second interviews with. The remaining four they're talking to are all defensive. And that changes a lot of them. Washington today is especially rattled. Go ahead. I got kicked out there. Um, Sorry. Yeah, Washington there. So now if you're looking at the names and they have a new program, they're starting fresh. I think Quinn is more of a candidate there and probably a more prominent maybe than even a lot of Seattle's behavior in this process makes me think Quinn isn't the favorite like the national media. He might be more of a candidate in Washington, honestly, than Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, well, and let's bring all the names out into the onto the floor. Uh, the The other name that's now started to crop up is Mike Kafka, um, and this is the the current OC in in New York. Uh, you know, guy that Andy Quinn, Andy Quinn, Andy Reid drafted. Uh, you know, has kind of bred within the uh, uh, his his coaching tree and brought him to Kansas City. Um, and now is someone he also, people may forget, was someone who um, was interviewed for the Seahawks OC job when Shane Waldron got the position. So there's already some connection and familiarity there. And so now a guy that I largely have been thinking like, there's no way, like that's not the guy. He doesn't seem like a head coach type of material. Maybe they're talking to him because he could end up being the OC for Mike McDonald or maybe even the OC for Dan Quinn. Um, Now there's some smoke around the idea that he might be the guy. Um, And before we talk about Mike McDonald, I'm just kind of curious, how do you guys, I mean, let's start with Andy Reid, biggest believer nathan um what's your what's your point of view on mr kafka yeah uh i love andy reed i think he's one of the best football coaches of all time um and so 
you know, plucking someone from his tree that he seems to really like. Uh, I, I won't be sad about that at all. That'll be exciting to me. Um, Vibes-wise, solid vibes. Not amazing. Not, not through the roof or anything, but the vibes are fine. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any issues with it. He's a little on the young side. Uh, well, he's older than McVeigh was, though, right? When McVeigh got hired. Um, Mike McCarthy was 43 when he got hired as the Packers head coach. Kafka's, you know, 36. So a little bit of an age difference there, but it's not like Mike McCarthy was, you know, super experienced. And that's someone that John's talked to about in this process. So I, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think he was probably the number one choice here, but I think he's a strong candidate. Jeff, how would you feel if that's the name? A little underwhelmed. However, I'll be honest. I mentioned Kafka in our group really early. I don't you know if you remember that. Uh, yeah. The reason this would not be my choice specifically, but the reason I thought of him before he even was listed as a request is he had the profile of someone that I thought his bosses in Green Bay would have hired. He was drafted as a player by Andy Reid and then became handpicked to join his coaching staff. That's basically the exact same career path as Doug Peterson. If you listen to Doug Peterson talk, he's pretty unassuming. He's pretty quiet. When you listen to Mike Kafka at a press conference, he's pretty unassuming. He's pretty quiet. Um, when I, I read an article in the New York Daily News about like the situation in New York and kind of rubbed me a little the wrong way, where he didn't seem like like an elite leader at this point. He seemed like kind of the OC, the number two guy, and it didn't strike me as an alpha. To me, he'd be like significantly lower than some of the other guys we've mentioned. But again, if you think of all like John Schneider's draft history and he wants to be the the guy no one's thinking of, like so much of his galaxy brains into Kafka. So I, I can live with it. it. It wouldn't crush me, but it certainly wouldn't be my top choice. Like, can I, I Yeah, go ahead. Can Andy. I ask a question on this? Because from what I understand, his only other interview was with the Titans, right? So does that concern you at all, guys, that he was not – he didn't receive any sort of league-wide interest from the other roles? Not really, Yeah. Um, Last year, he was the runner-up in Arizona. His The stock of any Giants coaching staff is just – their team sucked this year. The quarterbacks got injured. People – the way the league works is they go with the coordinators on the best teams. Last year, the Giants shocked everyone. He got interviews. This year, they sucked. He didn't. It's sort of how the league works. Yeah, it's a relationship thing. So, for whatever reason, you know, he's, he's connected here. I – my question for you, Evan, is I want to paint a scenario that I think is a realistic one. We've had Ben Johnson remove himself from consideration. We've had Bobby Slowick remove himself from consideration. Not that he was still active. We don't know um, with Seattle, but he did not get a second interview request. Let's say that Mike McDonald does the same thing. Let's say Mike McDonald pulls himself out of consideration for the Seahawks role or any other role. Um, who is your top choice for the Seahawks at that point? If Mike McDonald pulled himself out, mm -hmm. I think I, I think I'm willing to go with the unknown of of a Mike Kafka over like a Dan Quinn. Mm. I just I, I I think there's real truth to the statement of if you want a Pete Carroll light, you should have just stayed with Pete Carroll. So I'm personally as a fan willing to step into the unknown 
go with somebody from um, the Andy Reid tree and uh, take a risk on Mike Kafka. You know, I, I don't, um, he's had a lot of success developing quarterbacks. And, you know, if Seattle is going to draft one in the near future, it wouldn't be a bad outcome. Hmm. I wouldn't be like ecstatic though. It would be underwhelming, I think. I, I think my overwhelming feeling will be like we missed an opportunity to swing for the fences this offseason. Well, in this case, we might not have missed it, right? It may just have been removed um, <laughs> from consideration. So uh, I do want to answer. There's a question that's come up a couple of times, and you know, Jeff can be my truth sayer if I'm if I'm wrong here, but uh, people are saying like, how could Mike Kafka potentially take a lateral role as an OC in Seattle? My understanding, because I think I've seen this happen before, is if you attach a assistant head coach title that is considered a promotion, you can move. It's not a lateral uh, thing. So I do think that there's opportunity for Kafka to be the guy here. Um, uh, Evero. I believe has a little bit more flexibility because his coach was uh, his head coach was let go. So while I think Carolina would potentially want to have him back, I think there's a little bit more freedom for him to move just in as a lateral um, into a DC role. Um, does that sound right? Anyone have different information? It, it's right. The Giants could block him, but I, based on what it sounds like, the relationship between Brian Dable and Kafka was not amazing last year. Um, I think he can get out of his contract pretty easily if he wanted to. Um, Dable and him had a kind of a rocky relationship last year. And Wink Martindale, who was there, he left the building pretty easily. Um, so if he wanted out, he can get out. All right. So so we, we have not spent much time talking about um, Mike McDonald. And I, the Seahawks did fly to Baltimore, did interview this guy. He had a I think a pretty damn good showing against the best quarterback in the planet and Nathan's favorite coach, uh, you know, in a game that they came out hitting on all cylinders um, and playing pretty darn well. Um, there are some reports that have started to come out that, you know, he's not a, he's an introvert. He's not a big stand in front of the group kind of guy. Um, you know, there's still questions about whether he can fill out his staff, um, all these kinds of things. Is there a, is there a big gap bet for between Mike McDonald and the next candidate for all of you? Um, or is he your number one? I'll start with, let's start with you, Nathan. Is Mike McDonald your top choice? I think so. Um, I mean, with him, you're hiring, X's and O's, um, which is not like something you really want to lean into all that much, really, with a head coach. Um, but he seems good enough at it. Um, and you can lead in lots of different ways, right? I mean, um, Hipster Homebrew in Miami, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, very, very different people who have all been pretty successful, right? I mean, not that uh, Mike McDaniel's on the, either of those other guys' levels, but like he's, you know, seems to be doing well in, in Miami and all that. Uh, a lot of different ways to to skin that cat. Um, so I think he's the most interesting, um, but there isn't a big gap. Like, you know, we're talking about Kafka and like, hey, is he really ready? I don't know why, thinking about it more, I don't know why we would think he's less ready than Ben Johnson or McDonald or, I mean, you know, 
he's a couple years younger than Matt LaFleur. I think he's like one, like the same age as Kevin O'Connell. Um, you know, young offensive coaches and young coaches in general. Um, the dude the Titans hired is is like the same age as him. Uh, so it would not be like way out of left field. Uh, you know, it, it would be pretty normal actually for someone like Kafka to get this job. So to me, I think he's my favorite. I, I, like you said, what he did this weekend was pretty impressive, even though they lost. Um, but I'm not going to be, I, I don't have my heart pinned on him. Yeah. So Mike McDonald's my number one been that way for almost this entire time. And I think there's a really sizable gap between him and my number two. My number two is Dan Quinn. Um, and I won't go into all the reasons folks want to go to hawkblogger.com. You can see the article I wrote there, but I, I really think people are misunderstanding and mislabeling him. I think his connection with Pete Carroll is strong, but this is a guy that also worked for Nick Saban and <laughs> Tom Capers and like massively different personality types. So I, I just, I think that is a really false narrative out there um, about Dan Quinn. Um, after Dan Quinn, it is a, Grand Canyon between those top two guys and the rest for me. So let me let me push back. Why? What's about Kafka that you don't like? Why is he different than Kevin O'Connell, who's been one of the best coaches in the NFL? What's the difference to you? Uh, he has not had the success that I'm I'm looking for. Like his his bet his biggest claim to fame from my perspective would be two years ago with Daniel Jones and taking who is a guy who I know to be a shitty quarterback. And making him a passable quarterback on a team that made the playoffs like that's a legitimate accomplishment yeah um but i haven't seen something there that like gets me super excited that this is, is that him or is that daniel jones it, are you well, saying well, daniel saying jones playing chief, well with the chiefs he came from the chiefs and not the giants like when Seattle were interviewing him, I remember a guy like Evan was really excited when they hired Waldron about Kafka because he was an Andy Reid's guy. So now all of a sudden he goes to the Giants and he's less exciting because the Giants are bad. Like that's where it's so that's why it's so hard to evaluate these coaches, right? Like, is it his fault because the Giants are bad, or is he like well, is he was he was not calling plays in KC? So like right yeah, neither did Doug Peterson, right? And neither did Sure. Sure. But like, like it's, it's hard to just like, you're basically saying, you know, on pure faith that, that, that's, that, that's the guy like that, at least the, like Mike McDonald, there's, there's evidence of what he can do when he's in charge of making those calls. The only evidence we've got for Kafka is when he's been doing play calling. And I do think it is impressive. And I wrote this when his name came up and, and tweeted it, that while it seems odd to, take like the OC from a really shitty offense and talk about him being a head coach. What he did the year before was impressive. Like it was legitimately impressive um, this year. Not, not as much, um, but it's not, it's not what McDonald has done. He has never done something to that level. And I don't think it's to what Quinn's done. I, I see Quinn differently than the three of you. And then other folks, I think Quinn has hired really credible folks I think he has gotten to a Super Bowl, which I think matters. Um, and I think this is his second stint. And while everybody's so excited about getting a guy in their first, there's a lot of evidence to say that coaches are their best on their second chance through when they've had a chance to learn from their mistakes. So there's a lot of reasons. I just think there's more. I'm not like 
super against Kafka, but I'm not super excited about him at all. So just zoom out for a second. There's outside of Mike McDonald, who they just recently had an interview with one interview. There's four other guys they've had two interviews with. And I just want to clarify these names for the record in case I'm missing anybody. Patrick Graham, Dan Quinn. I don't know how to say his first name, but Evero, the DC for, for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mike Kafka. Am I missing anybody? No. Would we miss some if they've had interviews with Rabel? We wouldn't know that officially, right? Yeah. Correct. So I guess known second interviews. Um, do you guys feel like Evero could be like a dark horse sleeper pick there? I, it feels like they are being like they are not running after any one guy. So I don't think you can look at anyone who's had a second interview and say they have no chance. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, he doesn't seem like a favorite, but like, what is that actually based on? Yeah. And that's what they waited for McDonald. Like, they had to wait for McDonald. And the one thing with the Seahawks search is the national media has been completely wrong and just grasping at straws the whole time. Like the, the Kafka thing came out today because Dan Graziano of ESPN came out and said it. Dan's a really good report, but two weeks ago, Dan's prediction for the Seahawks job, and he said everyone he was talking to said Mike Vrabel. And Mike Vrabel hasn't even had an interview with Seattle from all indications. And the national media the week before was all saying, this is Dan Quinn, this is Dan Quinn, it's locked up. And it could be a Giro, it could be Patrick Graham. Like the Seahawks are, they've done this in the draft so much where they come out of the media, they leak all, they, They've just been, like, oddly quiet. So I don't think any of this – the only thing from Kafka that came out was really that one report. So I don't. I think any of these guys could get the job. And I think we've seen it with John so many times where he just does something that no one sees coming. And sometimes he, he we've seen him overthink and make bad decisions a lot. Mm-hmm. That could happen here. It could be uh, Patrick Graham or – That would maybe be the least appealing of all these. <laughs> uh, Ebro, I we've talked about it. Uh, counter to the Kafka piece, Evero has taken a defense in Denver and made that was a top 10. That was a, an elite defense when he was there. And that defense then fell off when he left with a lot of the same talent. Then he goes to Carolina, a team with no, both teams, by the way, no offense. Their offenses were awful. So the defenses were having to hold a lot of water. And he goes to Carolina with not that super talented of a defense. And again, top 10 defense. I think it was a top five defense if I remember right. So I think Evero is really interesting. Like I think he's, he's an appealing can. I don't know that much about him, but those two, those are evidence of excellence. That's interesting. I just don't know. I don't know much more than that. The argument. I was going to say, like you look at the history of head coaches. What we do as fans is oftentimes we evaluate coordinators and we evaluate their job as coordinators. Like what was, Sean McVay's offense ranked in Washington. <laughs> That's good. Like Sean McVay's offense was outside of the top 10 in Washington. Malafleur with Tennessee, I think they were like 28th. Yep. Yep. Uh, Andy Reid had never called plays or even been a coordinator when he was hired. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. So it's tricky for us as we all kind of lean on to these coordinator guys. And Evero, like he's done really good work. To me, for those guys, it just comes down to who can they hire as their coordinators. Can I, yeah, go ahead. Can I ask you a question for somebody who's a little bit out of the loop on this? How the hell did Chip Kelly enter conversations recently? Was <laughs> it was amazing. that was that a joke? 
Was that a no. joke? No, it does not seem to be a joke. It was a small time University of Oregon beat reporter uh, who just tweeted it out that Dan Quinn and Chip Kelly are linked to Seattle. And I I mean, from everything I've seen, he seems to be legit, but like you really kind of wonder how he would be plugged in on something like that. Uh, but he is from, he isn't, you know, on the U of O beat. So on the Oregon beat. So who knows? So, so this, this kind of goes into my question for you though, Brian. Yeah. So I know you like the idea of Quinn for his ability to bring the staff. I think you have your eye on Kafka as an offensive coordinator, but like if Kafka, if they can't get Kafka, if the giants can block them, who is the offensive coordinator where you're like, oh yeah, that's going to be the pelt on Dan Quinn's wall. Like, well, that's that's he... the part that I like about Quinn is I don't have to know who that is. What I like, I trust his process for the way he picked Shanahan and that they picked each other was. I think Dan Quinn is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. In spite of the last game, I think he has done it time and again. I think he has demonstrated over multiple different franchises that he has a good eye, especially for defensive line talent. And I think he's a good tactician. I think he is behind a lot of the adjustments that the Seahawks lost when he left. And uh, I think that that gives him an opportunity to evaluate. And he talked about this when he hired Kyle Shanahan. They were a, a duo, um, a package deal. Like that was his first hire in Atlanta because... People forget this, but Kyle Shanahan, he was coming off 23rd ranked offense in Cleveland and he was let go. Like he he had not he had not been a hot shot offensive coordinator at that time. But Dan Quinn felt like this is a guy that I think is tough to defend. I think the the way he calls uh, plays is tough to defend. I respect him. and I want to bring him in. And now everyone in retrospect is like, oh, well, you know, that was all about Kyle Shanahan. Well, it took. Dan Quinn evaluating who was a good offensive mind in the league. And he's been in the league longer than any of these other guys that we're talking about. So he has way more relationships, way more connections. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys heard when, um, who was it? Mike Holmgren. Mike Holmgren was interviewed last week about when he got his first head coaching uh, interview, did he already know who he was going to bring aboard? And this was in 1989. He was still like super, super young. He said, he had had his names for six years um, and that he had like just going around the league. He had started. He told Andy Reid, you're going to be like Andy Reid was nothing at this point. Andy Reid, you're going to be one of my guys. He had told these people. So I have every reason to think that Dan Quinn already has who's his next guy. Do I know that? No, I don't know who that would be, but that's not my job. And I, I, I feel good because I feel like he's demonstrated not just with Kyle Shanahan, but with Raheem Morris, Jeff Ulbrich. Uh, and a number of other hires that he had on that staff that he's pretty good at finding other talent in the league. But yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, I mean, if it's not Mike McDonald, I think it's a little harder to get excited for a lot of folks. And I think that it's, to Jeff, to your point, it's almost like we just have to cross our fingers and wait and see. And that's just... To be totally frank, that's not as fun as a fan. Like, so can we, we just hire Mike McDonald? Yeah, like that would be that would be fun. That would at least be like everyone would be excited. He might crash and burn. He actually might be the worst candidate for all we know. 
but all at least guys, I'll be excited about it. All these guys have upside. Like you were just talking about, oh, Kyle Shanahan didn't have a good offense. Sean McVay didn't have a good offense. But we don't want to hire Mike Kafka because he hasn't had a good offense yet. Like you can you can play this game however you want, right? Like, oh, you know, Bill Belichick sucked as a first time head coach, and then he turned into Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick a second time around, right? And and so now you get Quinn on the second time around. He's already been way more successful than a lot of first time coaches. He does have the track record of hiring coaches. So like, if you if we wake up tomorrow and you see, and by you I mean chat the the general you the royal you. And you see Dan Quinn got hired and you get mad. It's just silly. Like it, there's you, we don't know. Like any of these guys could be awesome. Any of these guys could be trash. You know, you just like, this is the ultimate. You just have to hope and trust that John knows what he's doing. His job's on the line. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. But like all of these guys could be awesome. Every single one of them. Um, and they could, every single one could be bad too. They could all, like, this could be a, a no-win situation, so. Okay, but I mean, the one thing I'm getting annoyed by, I don't know if you guys keep seeing this, is that once Ben Johnson comes out, everyone's getting nervous, I keep seeing, well, why did they not just keep Pete Carroll? It's the most ins- annoying conversation because even if Pete stuck around, he would have only stuck around for one more year. So you're getting upset over one more year of the exact same thing we've had for seven years. Do we like, know that? Well, I, I'm pretty sure he had one year left in his deal before a team option. If they just agreed to fire him now, <laughs> we're going to pick up his option. So barring a pretty shocking year, I'm talking about one year of a 73-year-old guy who was floundering. So I'm, I'm just, I don't think that there's no way to convince – those folks like especially oh, on this pod we we are we are enemies of the state for people that are are like pete carroll do or die i was the pete carroll defender on this show for years and and i i will remain like a pete carroll fan forever the 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 idea that like this notion that just wait all these people that want a pete carroll fire just wait till they see what happens when the seahawks start losing more yeah, like I don't give a shit if they start losing more. What I give a shit is I don't want to see any more nine and eight, and I don't want to see a defense that's going to be shit for 10 straight years instead of eight straight years. So give me some kind of change. Give me some kind of op- that. That has been what I think we've been advocating for as of late. People aren't going to get that. They're going to try to dunk. I-, I don't give a shit. We have change. So I'm looking forward to whatever that change looks like, even if it's a Jim Moore Jr. one and done tap total piece of shit coach that comes in. Let's keep making changes until we get someone that's actually leading us to a better place than we've been for the last five years. Evan, you've been trying to get in. Sorry. I was just going to say, Jeff, thank you for saying that. They're in a cult. It's crazy. They're in a cult. But even today I saw like, how do they not have a choice lined up for Pete Carroll? What, you're not going to go interview coaches? You're just going to sit there? It's fucking absurd. It's emotional nostalgia. It is what it is. And I just love, Brian, that you're perceived as like the Pete Carroll critic now. That is like so funny to me because I see it happen a lot on Twitter. It's insane. It's hilarious because you have been defending him. What are we on? 300 motherfucking episodes and you've been defending him for 282 of them? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like. Yeah, well, you know, once the, the it came out that the media was the reason and non-football people, then uh, oh. people also think I'm the media, which is really funny. I'm I'm not. 
But anyway, uh, let's get into some Patreon questions. Uh, we haven't done those for a while. Uh, if you haven't already, give the show a like, um, click subscribe, and you want to click the bell because that'll notify you when we go live as soon as the Seahawks coaching decision happens. Throughout the offseason, there's going to be all sorts of big decisions that come, um, and we will keep you up to date. And then also go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up now, get immediate access to the Slack channel where you too can ask us questions that we will answer each week. And Nathan, uh, I know we've got a few in there, and I know I know that they really were influenced by your vibe scores for the coaches. So uh, let's get to it. There was some some vibe talking here, uh, but first one is Faz. Um, he says, if we hire a defensive-minded head coach like McDonald or Quinn, who would your choice be for the offensive coordinator role? So we already talked about Kafka as an option. Brian, you already said you don't really care if it's Quinn. You're going to trust who it is. Uh, but Jeff, Evan, do you have a name other than Kafka as a potential like OC that you are you would be excited about? Is there an offensive coordinator that if it gets announced along with Dan Quinn would make you excited for Dan Quinn? <laughs> Not really. Uh, it's the tricky part of that. Why so many people want offensive coaches. That tree has been really picked apart. Like the fact that Dave Canales got a head coach after one year, like would have never happened five years ago. There would have been, it just there. And then there was like nine OC openings. Even Arthur Smith got hired today with Pittsburgh. It's like, there's nothing you'd see out there. It'd be a, even that guy, Zach Robinson from the Rams had like seven teams trying to hire him. There's not a lot of names out there. And Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson went back. So I don't think there is one. Do you think if they hired Kafka as head coach, there's any world where we could steal Eric Bieniemy from Washington? Why is Eric Bieniemy getting pub? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing. No, I'm saying, is it possible? Why? It's very possible. He's not under contract. Oh, it's what? They don't have a head coach, right? Yeah. Same way Shane Waldron went to Washington, uh, Chicago. Like, my brain had a fart. That's what crazy. about I think a very about him guy on uh, on that staff? Wait, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. What about him is appealing, other than the fact that he's been a name that's been bandied about for years, and then he's gotten his OC gig out away from Andy Reid? Has it been like inspiring what he's done in Washington? Sam Howe was leading the league in yards for a long time i mean uh before he got hurt i think so the washington offense was not bad um and it was limited in terms of talent so he's still got the pedigree and he went to washington to get away from reed so he could prove it and i think he more or less like he at least showed he can put together a good offense without andy reed around um did he though i mean i honestly have not i'm asking because i honestly haven't looked into it that they much stated, they had the worst offensive line one of the worst and they just got sacked so much yeah, Sam Howell is like, what was he? A second he was one of the most sacked quarterbacks ever. Yeah, and, and not like a highly drafted lot of player. Like, so no, they weren't like a top 10 offense by any stretch, but like he made them a functional, interesting offense until Sam Howell got hurt. Yeah, he, he'd be one of the more prominent OC names in the market. But Sam Howell was leading the league in yards by like a fair bit through like 10 weeks of the season or something like that. He's someone, him and Kafka work together in KC pretty closely. Like he's yeah. someone he could definitely be on the staff. Hmm. I don't know if that would excite anyone because he wouldn't be the play caller potentially, but, 
But who knows? Maybe Coffin comes in, doesn't call plays. Who knows? Um, okay. Um, all right. Uh, Brian, Sean Pyle wants to know. So he's. He says, if everyone has a young Shanahan style coach, does anyone have a young Shanahan style coach? That style of coaching scheme becomes ubiquitous enough. Is there an argument that someone who can stop those offenses, McDonald, is more valuable and unique than someone who can create one? I think that I think it's a it's a it's an interesting premise, basically saying, hey, if everyone's going for offense and you have maybe the one guy that's demonstrated that he's been able to scheme a way to slow down variety of of these genius OCs, is that like the advantage? Sure. Theoretically, that could be an advantage. I just think even as someone who loves defense and is huge Mike McDonald fan, I think it's important to always remember part of the reason that the defense is harder to sustain is it requires more people, more players to be good. And, and then you have to have a scheme as well. That's in a league that has absolutely built itself around advantaging offense. So it's just harder to sustain elite defense than it is to, you know, um, if you have an advantage on your play calling, you probably have a better chance to sustain that. So, I think you have to hope that Mike McDonald is a very rare, like people, there's a quote that came out today that someone that interviewed him called him the Sean McVay of defensive coaches, implying that he is a like rare, rare play caller um, on the defensive side. If you have that, then yeah, um, that should be more durable. And I think that that could be, uh, a huge advantage for the Seahawks, certainly compared to some of the other guys we're talking about. Um, Evan, Sam Brown wants to know, should we trust John Schneider to pick the right head coach? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we have a better option right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have do a good answer for that. Do but... you trust him? Do you trust John Schneider? Do, do you, I trust John Schneider to? Do pick? you think it's more likely that John Schneider and this head coach are fired in two to three years, or that they win a Super Bowl in the next five? Oh. Ooh. I think it's more likely that they are fired. I think a better way to assess yeah, the trust question yeah. is if the if they if they hire Patrick Graham, like. Some guy that you have no excitement about. Will you trust John Schneider that he knows more than you and, and made a good decision? No. No, I would have done. No, right. this would feel like one of his old 2019 draft LJ Collier draft picks. I just really hope the, the worst thing John could do here, guys, in this situation is just overthink the hell out of this. I think you unload the dump trucks of money. Well, great news. He's only been stewing on it for like two months now, apparently. So, and the crazy thing if the Ravens won, this would have gone on another two and a half weeks. Do you guys think this ends tomorrow? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It should. I mean, there's no reason for it not to, but like the Seahawks don't do any of this stuff fast. They've never made a pick without letting the clock go to the last second, too. I am very concerned that Mike McDonald's going to pull himself out of the running. That might happen tomorrow, and then it might take another day. 
And we also might get the Washington decision. Like they might hire Dan Quinn. Mike McDonald may pull himself out. And then <laughs> it's going to be wah, wah, Thursday. It's going to be amazing if, <laughs> if Washington hires Quinn and McDonald and McDonald removes himself from consideration. Please don't even put that out into the world. Fans are going to lose their minds. Please do not put that out into the I world. I feel like that is a real possibility. I think you're right. Yeah. <sighs> and then the Seahawks will hire Belichick. I, I honestly <laughs> thought about that. I was like, he's not going to get a job. Is there some chance that now that there's no pressure, like will he, will he have enough respect for Josh? That's Snyder? the Leonard Will. That's John's Leonard Williams trade of uh, coaching hires. Like, oh crap, oh crap, I'm gonna get fired. How do I, I gotta go from now? one seventy two year old to the next seventy two year old? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, uh, <clears throat> Brian. Uh, Brendan wants to know. Was Brian's in defense of Dan Quinn article a PR piece forced on him by John Schneider and the Big Seahawk Industrial Complex? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> we made so much money off of it; it was so cool. You know, I I I off do not write nearly as much as I used to, but the thing that will uh, inspire me to spend my weekend writing an article about the Seahawks is when I think everybody else is wrong, <laughs> and so I think everybody else is wrong about Dan Quinn. And I felt the need to share an alternative point of view uh, from the group think that was permeating the Seahawks fan base. Okay, so there's I'm the contrarian on the podcast. Yes, yes. We, we are all secretly contrarians, to be totally honest. So Puck from KGR, just to jump in here real quick, tweeted at Mike Garofalo and was like, come on, Mike, who's coming to Seattle? And Mike Garofalo responded to him and said, I'll tell you Thursday at noon. That's when he comes on the show. Is it? Yeah, that's his God damn it. I was hoping that actually meant something. No, that's his weekly head. Yeah. Um, all right. Jason A wants to know rate the new coaching hires so far across the league against my uh my vibe scale and predict each team's record next year. Uh we'll go uh we'll go around the horn on this. So Jeff. Uh, what is your vibe uh, rating from Raheem Morris to Atlanta, and what do you think their rating, their uh, record will be? High vibes, I'll give it. So is that a five or ten? The vibes rankings. We can do. We can do A through F. We can do vibes of like um, I don't know uh, who's that. Uh, like yeah, we can do whatever. whatever, whatever <laughs> Let's not over okay. over vibes. Shia LaBeouf to Timothy Chalamet vibes. Oh, no. I mean, how do you want to do it? Uh, I'll give it a B for vibes. I think Raheem Morris is very likable, very energetic. When I did the digging on him, there was a lot of like the Pete Carroll high energy stuff. There's a big knock on his vibes though. Yeah. The Jimmy Lake thing. I was going to say, that's why he's not an A. All this talk about Raheem Morris having these great connections and then Jimmy Lake. And that's not very encouraging. I know Raheem's a defensive guy, but for all these hires, they still don't have a quarterback. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. So I'm still going to give them I'm going eight and nine. Eight and nine. All right, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this was not intentional, but next on the list. I know exactly. John Harbaugh to the Chargers. Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, I mean, vibes for Jim Harbaugh are like 
by yeah. on a scale of Richard Sherman as a Seahawk to Richard Sherman as a uh, talking head on TV, what are the vibes here? Oh, I mean, Ugh. the worst of them. I, I mean, I, I think if you are a Chargers fan uh, and you have no history, then with with him, then be happy because you're probably going to win more than you've won recently, and you'll probably be a tougher football team than you've been. And the Chargers have never been mistaken for a tough football team. Um, but also just be ready to ultimately not win a ring and for him to be gone uh, within four years when he's spoiled uh, all the relationships uh, in the organization. So enjoy the next four years. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to skip the next one because I think Evan would like to, to comment on that one if he's back. Uh, Jeff, Brian Callahan. Vibes rankings, I'd go with like a D. Uh, he would be, I imagine, pretty low on uh, the Nathan scale. Seems pretty unassuming, pretty quiet, not a lot of excitement. Uh, in terms of rosters, that's one of the worst rosters in the NFL. They're about to lose Derrick Henry. Um, they don't have much going on there. That's why Mike Frabel wanted out. I say 4-13 and 13 next year. Oof. Nathan, you should participate. Take 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 a couple right. of these rapid fire. Canal is. Uh, I'll do my best. Evan impression. Uh, he is a Greek god uh, on the scale yeah. of vibes. Uh, no man that attractive can possibly fail. Um, so Carolina behind uh, my uh, my draft prior of Bryce Young. Uh, they're going seventeen and zero. Um, <laughs> but in classic Panthers fashion, they will lose the Super Bowl. So that will be a bummer for them. Um, okay, and then I think last, do we have one more in here? Um, I think so. Anaxum uh, wanted to talk about defensive coach versus offensive coach, but I think we've talked about that a lot. Um, so I, I think the, we're good on Patreon questions. Uh, that's it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, uh, Nathan, for doing that. And thanks to patrons, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. You can sign up, get access to Slack, and ask us questions as well that we will do our best to answer every single week. Uh, and all the proceeds go to charity. 260000 plus has already been donated uh, thanks to all your support. And that'll go higher uh, as we get more folks joining the community this year. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, all right. So what do we think the timeline is from here on out? Um, give me a percentage chance that the Seahawks will have a new head coach tomorrow. And then give me the same percentage chance that the Seahawks will have a new head coach by Thursday. Nathan, you've got such a big smile on your face. Yeah, you should check the, uh, <laughs> the group chat. Uh, what was the question, though? I wasn't listening. Uh, what is the percentage chance... <laughs> that um what is the percentage chance the seahawks will have a head coach tomorrow and then what's the percentage chance that they'll have one thursday i'm gonna go 10 percent tomorrow and 33 percent thursday jeff i'll go 30 percent tomorrow uh 68 by thursday I feel like it's 50% tomorrow and 100% by Thursday. I, I will be very surprised if we don't have an answer by Thursday. Um, so 
what is left for us to cover that we have not covered? Uh, you know, do we want to talk about the Super Bowl? I don't know if I really want to talk about the Super Bowl. No. <laughs> I'm surprised that there's uh, Seahawks fans are. Well, one, I'm surprised that people are are so seem so tired of this. Like Dana hates the Chiefs, so she's been Miss Grumpy Gus in in the group <laughs> chat, and I get it. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes is incredibly fun. That's an incredibly fun team. I agree. Like, so it's it, it, everyone's like, oh, this again. Oh, this is why the NFL season sucked. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you can't, as an outside observer, if you can't be excited about the Chiefs, <laughs> Dana, Dana. Let's let's be honest. Your show of hands for everyone who thinks Dana hates the Chiefs. Right, there we go, Dana. You lose. Uh, um, if you can't, I don't know. If you're an outsider, observer, if you're not attached to, like, if you don't have feelings about one of these teams, and you can't be happy about watching the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, I don't know if you're ever going to be happy watching sports. <laughs> It's Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about like the greatest and like funnest quarterback of all time. It's like, oh, I have to watch Steph Curry again. Like Steph Curry is incredible. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, I, I do yeah, feel like it's crazy. like Michael Jordan is the comparison to me. Like it, yeah. he he won over and over and over again, and it did get kind of boring. Like you you're hoping that someone else would win. Even the Patriots went from being a team that never won anything to a team that won more than anybody else. Like the dynasty of dynasties. Even their own fans in New England started to get bored of them winning. I mean, they always liked it, but it was pretty apathetic. Uh, so nine, I, I eight. Yeah, they we're not that close with the Chiefs. No, if we're talking about their eighth ring, yes, we can be tired of the Chiefs. But I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't care that much about. Um, I cared about Andy Reid not getting his first ring just to spite you, um, primarily, and <laughs> when he got it, like fine. Um, but whoever is playing the 49ers is my favorite team, like by far. So I don't care. I don't care who it is. Um, uh, okay. One other thing, unless you guys have other pieces that you wanted to bring up. Um, it, the Senior Bowl has started this week. Um, and uh, Evan, I know that you've following everything that comes off of Jim Nagy's uh, Twitter feed. Um I'm curious, Jeff, in particular, is there anything that you're looking at for Senior Bowl week, um, you know, that you're hoping to, to, to learn about from? By the way, Mike Kafka is down there. He's a coach. There's interviews with him. So if you want to find and hear him talk about guys, he's you can find that. But anything that you're looking for in Senior Bowl week? Yeah, offensive linemen. Um, I can't. Well, no matter who the head coach is, and if there was one theme from this weekend, it was trench play, and there was a theme from those playoffs. The Chiefs, we all talk about Mahomes. Their offensive line is great. Baltimore's offensive line is great. Detroit should have won that game because they have the best offensive line in the league. One thing about this draft class, I know some people probably talk about quarterbacks, is it's a really good offensive line class, and some of the names that have been mocked to Seattle or are going to be mocked in the range Seattle's drafting are at the Senior Bowl. And there's the big tackle from Oregon State, and there's the guy from Washington, and Seattle needs to get this figured out, no matter who's coaching, whether it's Kafka, whether it's Mike McDonald. The, when they've had success, they've seen the plus and minus of offensive lines. So 
I'm going to be following those names because you look at the draft and the range they're drafting at, it's sort of a sweet spot there for offensive linemen. And I think for this team to progress forward, they can't keep doing the same bullshit they've been doing up front. And you saw what happened when Abe Lucas got hurt this year. They just collapsed. And their guards aren't good enough. Their best guards are free agent, who I don't think they should resign. They need to fix this or else it's going to be impossible to get out of this hole they've been in. Because you look at these teams, Detroit's on the back. Detroit should have beat San Francisco on the back of that offensive line. Yep. And they were missing one of their guys. Um, uh, we do have a super chat. I want to put this up for Jared Godfrey. Uh, thank you for that. Any decent chance they hire a college coach? Anyone think there's going to be a would we have known if they, they don't generally talk about college coaches because it can hurt recruiting. So it usually is kind of quiet until it's announced. Is there any reason to believe there's anyone that could be considered there? I guess there's no reason to believe that. Like, yeah, for that reason, I'm trying to think back when they hired Pete. That was completely out of the blue, right? That was just it like was. one day. Like, yeah, we hired Pete Carroll. So sure, maybe. John kind of shot that down in the press conference. He I did remember. say something about that, right? Yeah, they asked if he was going to look at it. He didn't seem very optimistic on that front. He didn't sound – no, he did not sound like that was something he was really looking hard at. I will say when I when I went and wrote that Quinn article and looked at the last time the Seahawks had done a broad coaching search, like, it's been 30 years. Oh, yeah. I, I, it happened since the mid-'90s. Like, I mean – they they didn't do about they picked Pete Carroll and they're like Mora you're out Mora was like on Holmgren's staff and he was the successor they didn't do a broad search Holmgren certainly was like Paul Allen I'm paying you you're coming here and you're gonna do what you did in Green Bay I think they did one with Dennis Erickson's hire I think that's the last time in the 90s but I can't even really remember I think Dennis Erickson was pretty clearly a guy that was targeted as well it could go back even further than the 30 years but that that's as far as my memory like for the searching process went so this is pretty different uh that the Seahawks have not just had a guy that they want to hire um that they're talking to a bunch of people don't know if that's going to turn out to be good or bad we'll find out well, they had a lot of success in doing this in the 90s, so I'm sure it'll work out now. <laughs> I liked, I will say, I enjoyed the Dennis Erickson Seahawks. I mean, that was the Jim Johnson uh, defensive Seahawks. That was Chad Brown, Sean Springs, Walter Jones. There's a lot of good things that came out of that crew. Um, Anthony Simmons, I think. Uh, so there was, there was a lot of fun on that on that team. One other thing we should probably talk about unrelated to the coaching search. Uh Jamal's making a ton of posts on Instagram about all his plays throughout his career, going back to like high school, junior high. Any any reason to believe he might retire? The dude who can't go 10 minutes without getting attention is trying to get attention. I'm shocked. I, I think I think I think I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, he doesn't seem to understand his own limits, so maybe maybe not. But. Yeah, the dude couldn't he couldn't play uh last year. He wasn't he wasn't an NFL player uh a few games into his comeback. Yeah, I think he th said well, he thought about retiring after that 2022 injury. He did. So this season had to be hard on him and it would do the Seahawks nice service cap wise if he retired. I don't think it really helped, does it? No, I learned this for the first time today, actually. Evan, you want to walk us through it? 
So it depends if he has any guaranteed money. Let me pull up his deal real quick. Oh, sure. um, but basically, so 2023, 2024, hold up. I'm just double checking. So <laughs> I saw some. I was going to put that up there, but then I thought that's too mean. Uh... <laughs> so I want to I I be clear about something. I saw some talk about this on Twitter. So his 2024 base salary is not guaranteed. So if he retires, he's not getting a dime of that of the base salary. It's probably they're probably they were probably talking about the signing bonus, which has been paid out to him in lump sum up front at the front of his deal and is prorated over the life of the contract for cap purposes. If he retires, technically the team could try to claw that signing bonus proration back, but they're not going to. But what happens to the cap? So it's basically treated as like a cut. Is a cut. Post June yeah. cut, right? Uh, depends. Okay. Yeah. So if it's pre-June first, I think it's treated the same, like when it's re- oh, when he retires, type it. thing. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna ask. It's gonna be a vote. Evan Evan's dealing with a migraine, so totally fine to vote no. By a show of hands, does anybody want to do a quick five minute mock draft? <laughs> oh, you fuckers! I, I am I gone. If you're doing a mock draft, I am uh, gone. Hold on, before you leave, Evan, who, who do you who are you hoping the Seahawks hire? Uh, ben Michael Donald. <laughs> uh, I'll just say this: if they hire uh, Kafka, I'm going to spam the shit out of all of his ugly faces all over the internet. Just letting you know that. <laughs> He's so ugly. He doesn't have an ugly face. Let me rephrase that. He doesn't have an ugly face. He has an he has ugly uh facial reactions occasionally. You're, within five minutes of hiring Kafka, you are gonna have a run the table tweet. I guarantee it. <laughs> There's a lot of reason to be optimistic and hopeful about the future of the Seahawks. Sure. Mm. There is. Uh so we we didn't get into this. I will just say this briefly. Maybe what's brief. I'm not convinced the Seahawks job is so great. I, I, we, we, we talk. I understand. Like, I think John Schneider's a good partner. I think that they've got some young talent. Um, I don't think it's a easy path to being a true contending team. Um, I think it is more likely that you can build a better than average team with what you've got here that never does anything interesting than that you're set up to do something really great. Uh, they don't have a bunch of draft capital. They don't have a bunch of cap room. They have a, they have don't have a bunch of blue chippers. So, and you've got, and you've got questionable ownership situation in the coming years. So I want to say like, I'm a huge Seahawks fan. I love the Seahawks. I could understand why a coach, like a hot coaching candidate would not necessarily feel like this is their best, their best um, situation. But, you know, that's just my take. All right, Evan. Uh, you're, Are you guys you're, actually oh. doing a mock draft? Yeah, it'll take, it'll take f- like three minutes. You just killed Evan. Poor guy. Come on, dude. You're awesome. going to enjoy this. A couple rounds though, right? No, we're just going to do one round. We'll do one round. Um, you want to go to the seventh, Nathan? Yeah, let's do one round. <laughs> Once we get to like the fourth round, it'll just be all Huskies the rest of the way. But yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Seahawks at 16. Um, we are going to quickly go through and we're going to see what who everybody took real quick. Um, Drake May goes number one. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Um, Caleb Williams, too. God, how mad would Ben Johnson be? Ben Johnson's like, God <laughs> damn. Furious. <laughs> uh, they keep having Marvin Harrison go three to, to New England based off of their rankings. That uh, just is wrong. Um, uh, I mean, they, they really have quarterbacks getting pushed down. So they've got all these receivers um, bunched to the top. Uh, Cooper Dijon or Dijon, I don't know. I think it's Dijon. Um, uh, the, the Notre Dame tackle, then Jaden Daniels. I can't imagine. Can you imagine Jaden Daniels going all the way to eight? No, no chance. Kafka does have an Eli Manning face. Uh, that's maybe what draw drew him to New York. Um, Forrest, I want you to know that you didn't get put up here because of the super chat, which we do appreciate. Uh, I was gonna put your early one up there, but you had the 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 weird H in Kafka. So you, that that's what made it. See, next time, just spell the coach's name right, and you can get on here for free. Yes. Well, we love the Super Chats, too. We Thank do you. love the Super Chats. Um, can you imagine Jaden Daniels lasting till eight? I mean, it, like, Raheem Morris would be thrilled, right, yeah. at, if Atlanta got him there. There'd be a lot of people trying to jump them. Um, I think Brock Bowers is one of the – like, we talked about this before. This guy, I've seen him mocked in the top five. I've seen him falling down – to where the Seahawks are drafting. Um, is he just like a stud? Tell me about him. He is a blue chip tight end. He is like a Gronk kind of tight end, like super athlete, good blocker, great receiver. Like no question his his play will translate to the NFL. At they, a high level. Georgia Georgia uh, ran him on end arounds. He's okay. that level of athlete in the SEC, like in the SEC, like against good competition. Um, yeah. What what he'll look like? Like, will he be more receiver than tight end or whatever? I don't really know, but the, the athleticism should absolutely translate. George Kittle drops from third to fourth ranked NFC West tight end. That'd be pretty fun. <laughs> be down for that, to yes. be honest. Yes, I know you would. Uh, here is uh, Nathan's uh, favorite interior lineman, uh, Mr. Newton. Yep. Um, By the way, Bowers, Ed... Bowers is such a cool name. It is. I think of like Bowser. I don't know. Why. Hey, so yeah. on that note, do you guys? This is really dumb, but I I have uh, opinions about which coaches will be good based on their names. <laughs> I was just going to ask you about oh, players. Do you, I, I believe there's there's like name energy? Like I, I you know Brian Branch. Like it wasn't only that he projected. Like there's no way Brian Branch was not going to be a good NFL player. Yeah, it, 100%. like Terrell Suggs was going to be a good NFL player. Max yeah. Strong was going to be a good fullback. Like, there was no doubt that that was going to work out, Frank right? Frank Smith is never going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> no man named Frank Smith. He missed a shot in, like, the 50s, I think. Yeah. You can't be a Frank after 1966. It's not allowed. I think that's fair. I think that's, that's fair. And I do think Brock Bowers has name energy. That's, um, that's good take. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Arthur Smith failure. Yep. Yes. Uh, yes. Ben Johnson sounds like a math teacher because Evan, he is a math mathematics flag, right? and computer science major. Red flag from the beginning. We should have called it out originally. <laughs> yeah, right. lost. He's in Dan Campbell's ear telling him to go for it on fourth down all the time. Yeah. I, I think that Nathan is putting these up there just to cover uh, Jeff's face. I think that's the, oh, that's the, the primary. All right, that's a good strategy. <laughs> Way better. That's a very good strategy. Mike McDonald, um, finance guy. He had a job like KPMG before the Ravens called him. Wait, wait, wait. Who was the PFF? Uh, Bobby. Bobby. Bobby Slowick. Damn Bobby Slowick. Damn it. Yeah. 
Um, I've gotten the impression that there is negative energy around Dallas Turner in this crew. Uh, I don't know if it was Jeff or Nathan that I got that from, but like not big fan. Is that true? He's the same initials as Daryl Taylor. <laughs> Bad name energy. <laughs> That's no, I funny. think if you read his the description for him, I haven't watched. Ooh, that's a light end. Two forty. Uh, you go back for another light uh, DT. Two forty for this an man, edge. This man only weighs twenty pounds heavier than me. I mean, he, he's no. an undersized edge who is an unpolished pass rusher. Is how I've heard him described, and that just does not sound. Brother good. needs to bulk. Yeah. Wait, is he? Is he got youth on his side? Um, he's a junior. It does not say his age. He's six four in two forty. Yeah, that's a skinny dude. That is so skinny. Uh, you will hear oh. things like he can he he can put weight on his frame or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Fashani is the tackle that I've heard uh most people love the most. Although Alt is um, I don't know about seven, but I think a lot Alt's pretty good. Um, Terry and Arnold, we talked about, I think last time, but he is getting, um, a lot of hype. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him as his top corner overall. Um, and then this hurts right before the Seahawks pick Fuaga is one of my guys, like one of the guys I really like, he can play outside or in, um, 334 pounds, six, six. This is a dude like I think this guy projects he played in a heavy run offense, uh, is a good pass blocker as well. Um, I like this guy, especially at guard. Did um, he just all of a sudden get popular or something? Because I don't feel like I've seen his name. He's been pretty consistently mocked in the top 15. Like I, It's been rare that I've seen mocks where he lasts to the Seahawks, um, okay. although it has happened. Maybe I just didn't see him because he wasn't making it to the Seahawks. Um, all right, so let's do our one pick, guys, because we don't even have a second round. It's like, how it's gonna be so much less fun doing these mocks, not only because we don't have the fifth pick and the 20th, but we don't have any second round picks to speak oh, of. I got two thirds. Uh, yes, well, maybe we'll skip ahead to the third at one point, but um, all right, a lot of the same names we had last time. Um, Jared Verse, who is not a small edge, um, this guy's 260. I think he plays a lot bigger than that. He is a little on the older side. Um, you've got uh, Latu, who's another like very productive edge rusher. You've got some of the quarterbacks. You got Bo Nix. You got Michael Penix Jr. Um, you do have Byron Murphy, who you know is my one of my favorite guys. Anyone oh, and, and Sakano is another guy. Yeah, I, I got. I got angry messages about the Byron Murphy conversation the last time we did this. Why? Pizza. They, he is controversial. He's not really? uh not not everyone loves a uh run defense mediocre production defensive tackle at 16. What? I thought I read today like he's like a top 15 lock. He's like a pass rush. Like he is a super active pass rusher. I don't know. I Interesting. I, Interesting. I got um, yelled at about it. Yeah. Like that's a pretty damn good pass rush win rate for an interior lineman. Um, But, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinions. So, Jeff, any names that are starting to jump out to you? Um, For me, 
it's verse uh Fautanu and then Murphy. Evan, what position would you be most excited about here? You want quarterback, you want defense, you want offensive line. Guys, if Penix is on the board, I'm taking him. I'm sorry. So this is your guy right here. He's guy. he's climbing, by the way. I'm sorry. He was oh. going all in on this. Interesting. All right. So Evans, Michael Penix, uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you the choice. You are making the choice for this week's mock. Who so, are you picking? So if you hire Mike McDonald and you look at what he did with Jadavian Clowney, Jared Verse looks extremely appealing. Like there's some, they're, they're not, they're not exactly the same guy at all, but just the ability for McDonald to get production out of Clowney and resurrect his career. And then you give him a talent like Verse and see what he can do would be really interesting. I do want to see though, uh, can we look at centers? Can we look at yes. the list of centers? <laughs> yes. Uh, wait. Uh, there we go. Interior offensive line. I think I can do that. Uh, see, I, I, I've uh, the clips of him at the Senior Bowl or or trying game or whatever where wherever he's at. They are incredible. They are so fun. Uh, so you know, I I want to. I feel like getting yelled at again. Uh, okay. So let's do it. We're taking Jackson Powers Johnson. Snyder's <laughs> braining this. We're going way deep on it and taking. I love it in, in the draft. I love it. I love it. Uh, that might be the only. <laughs> Hell yeah! If PFF hates it, I know it's good. I think that's fantastic, and I don't even hate it, man. I, he has definitely been one of the buzziest players at the Senior Bowl. And for a center to be one of the buzziest players really means this guy's standing out. So I think that's a that's an interesting one for sure. If it's Kafka, you you gotta wonder if Penix is the guy. Yeah, that is one of the things I'm most fascinated about in these conversations with John. Is he basically telling these offensive guys like was his pitch to Ben Johnson that didn't work? Like, no, you're not. Don't worry about Gino. Like. We'll get you. We'll we'll trade everything to get into. We'll 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 get right behind Washington and get the next quarterback. We'll get you Jaden Daniels. We'll get you Penix. We'll get you something. So, real quick, like tactical question here. Yeah. Uh, would the Seahawks use Paul Allen's private plane to fly in the candidate, like if he was being hired, or would this man just like take a regular first class flight? No, they'd fly him in. They'd fly him back in. Okay. Okay. Why? But I don't know what would happen. I'm just pulling up a flight tracker. Um. So a lot of people are freaking out today when. The wait a second. Died. There's the chat's freaking out about. Someone said that McDonald is flying in today. There's just some unofficial rumors going around. No official reports. Oh. Yeah. Just just Twitter stuff. Yeah. Okay. Oh god, we, we saw this with the Blue Jays and Otani, and it blew up. You guys see what oh, happened man. that day? If, if this that was the worst. To you again, Jeff. <laughs> Blue Jays fans freaked out. Even John Morosi reported, and then it was a dude from Dragons Den. I love nudes. Can no, you? I, I will never forget softy falling for that. <laughs> Could you? Can you believe that happened? I think that was that was fantastic. 
Um, by the way, something that chat picked up that we did not is that in that mock that we just did, um, Bo Nix was selected by the San Francisco 49ers at 32. Curry's a fraud. <laughs> I cannot wait for them to pay him 60 million a year. It's going to be, uh, I, I can, um, all right, boys, that I think is sufficient. We've gone super long. Um, and I want to thank Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, especially doing it while not feeling 100%. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. Give the show a like, folks. Click subscribe. Click the bell to get notified because we are going to do an emergency pod when the coach gets named. And thanks to everybody who's tuned in and to Patreons at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Appreciate you supporting the show. Um, we will see you all hopefully in a day or two. Um, until then, trust the Hawks. Uh, let's hope for the best. Take care. Hey, folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out. Gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape Morning After articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks. Yeah.